Welcome to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast Series. Today we have our guest, Dr. Sherry Smith, the Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Association of School Administrators. PASA, as it's commonly referred, has its headquarters in the Pennsylvania state capital city of Harrisburg. Dr. Smith is a decorated leader in education with more than 36 years of experience in public school education, state-level education policy, and intermediate unit service. Before she joined PASA as its Director of Professional Development in 2022, she served as the Commonwealth's Deputy Secretary of Elementary and Secondary Education and Superintendent of Lower Dauphin School District. Welcome again, everyone, to the Plexus Education Leadership Podcast. I'm David Linevers, one of the vice presidents of the Plexus Foundation. And it's my pleasure today to have our special guest, Dr. Sherry Smith, the executive director of the Pennsylvania Association of School Administrators. Uh, welcome, Sherry. How are you doing today? <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm, um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to, um, you know, here we are in the middle of December and getting ready for the holidays um, and um, getting back to business and education right now, which makes me always happy to talk about education. So thank you for letting me join you today. Yeah, I was, I was, it was so great to be able to connect with you. And, and I know in your role um, as the executive director, you've been here for what, six months now? Yeah, longer? so I came in as a director of professional development in May. Oh, um, and okay. had an opportunity to work within the, the current um, executive director. And then I moved into the position of executive director October 1. Okay. So it's just been two, two months, two and a half months. That's yeah. great. <laughs> the natural progression of things, right? And I know as I was looking at your resume, you've had many of those and other opportunities all throughout. And um, it would be fun to talk about those. You know, one of the things I think about in December, you know, you mentioned about get back to the business of educating is there's so many celebrations and there's so much going on in the schools that are truly a part of what makes school special. You know, you have the education, the assessment, the meetings, the parent connections, right? PTA. And then everybody comes together to celebrate the kids with the choirs and the performances. And I mean, do you still get an opportunity to go do that and visit <laughs> the schools and do those things? Not, not as much as I would like to, to be honest with you. I would tell you that's one of the things I, I think I miss the most from being connected to a, to a school district and, and um, to directly with the students is all those opportunities. But I've been pretty busy the last few years working at the state um, here at Paso. But um, looking forward, to be honest with you, in this new position to have more time and more opportunities to reconnect with a lot of our um, school groups um, in the area. You know, you raise a good point about when you work for the state and those things is a lot of what you have done and continue to do allows those things in schools to happen, right? That allows people to feel confident to be delivering and connecting in those places. I mean, when I look at your career path there, it's just an incredible journey. Um, when you look back at, a t at your first year of teaching versus where you are now, what what do you see in that kind of transition in your life throughout? Because you know that dash is more than just one thing. That's what I like to say, right? That's <laughs> experience, day to day experience built up over years. Yeah, um, I can still remember my first day uh, <laughs> teacher in 1985, honestly, and um, and working with the students. So. It's been it's been such a great journey, to be honest with you. And I've had the opportunity to work with 
kids from kindergarten through 12th grade. I've worked in high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, um, in a lot of administrative experiences in between. But, you know, it, um, the one thing I will tell you that I entered education in that hasn't changed with me um, 38 years later is that kids are the reason why I do what I do, that we're focused on students and I care dearly about them and the education and the experiences they have. And I was a special ed teacher. So uh, the kids that I cared for the most were those that didn't have an opportunity um, or needed additional opportunities. So I've always looked for those students that needed the extra assistance. They're the ones that um, hit my heart the most and the ones that I cared about the most. It is about the kids, isn't it? It really yeah. is. The, the policies, the protections, the security things we do, the food. I mean, just about everything related to it. And in your role now, it sounds like you have, from what we talked about briefly and what I would gather from it is you really have the ability to connect on so many different levels with the superintendents about anything and everything that could go on. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's my favorite part of the day. I want to connect with um, our superintendents and my colleagues, as I will always call them across the Commonwealth, um, to support them, listen to them, um, and to provide um, you know, the professional development or to assist them in the needs that they have. Um, they've got a lot of things going on. Um, the last three years um, have only compact impacted, I think, them even more um, oh, yes. when oh, yeah. they, you know, the things that have happened to them. So. I'm so excited to be here and to work for them, um, to be honest with you. That's that's exactly my mission for being here at PASA. And um, I can't wait to continue to connect with them and help them over the next few years. And and I know that, you know, when you talk about the connection and those those pieces you and I were sharing before, like sometimes on the podcast, I just want to give them a hug, like truly, because I I see the hard work and and I understand the nature of what they do better than ever. I haven't been a superintendent. And when I look at what I've learned, first of all, I'm just blown away by their commitment to the kids, to their teams mm -hmm. and to the community. And, and that's that piece that they're, they interact with safety and health and disaster prep. And, you know, when I was talking to a superintendent down in Glades County, Florida, she went over to Fort Myers and they had, they helped clean up and they were a shelter for people to come. It's just, Amazing what they're willing to do day to day and what they do day to day. Right. And it's yeah. got to be a pleasure for you to have a new role in the midst of encouraging them and engaging them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, our superintendents work so hard out there. I think it's important for everybody to understand how much um, is on their backs. When you think about it, um, the jobs that they have, how many staff members they're responsible for. I mean, they're a large business, right? Yes. And, and then on top of it, you're caring for all the students and all the parents. And, and truly, in so many of our communities, our schools are the center of our communities. And, um, you know, so we play a major impact on pulling our communities together, too. It's, it's such an integral part of the community. So there's a lot of pressure on a superintendent um, to be able to stay on their feet, make difficult and hard decisions every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be a very lonely job. I can tell you that. So haven't met you know, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, haven't met a superintendent yet that hasn't been passionate about the work cares mm -hmm. dearly about their super about their students and their staff and their 
communities and you know it's a lonely job and they really need organizations such as PASA where they can network um, and support one another and learn from one another so you know that's why I'm glad I'm here because I think I can help to um, provide those opportunities for them. You know you've had I, I appreciate you saying that too because when um, we were chatting earlier and looking just at your experience you've had such a variety of pieces from foundations to you know cohort i mean you name it what when you think about bringing that knowledge forward and that help that uh, how do you work with the superintendents on teaching them about the importance of those connections yeah so we offer um a lot of offer different opportunities depending on where they are in their career right so right. one mm-hmm. thing that i will tell you working um, at a state level and having the opportunity to walk across the state is that, you know, the needs of our schools are very different depending on the region where you're at. And um, just as the needs for a superintendent is different. If you're a new superintendent, let me tell you right now, you need a lot of just information, some knowledge and processes and systems we put in place. So we have a new superintendent's academy that we have here at PASA that we offer for the superintendents to come from. And you know what we do? We bring in sitting superintendents who are successful right now to come in and, and share their knowledge in all the different areas um, so our new superintendents can learn from them. And to be honest with you, developing networks. We want them to continue to stay connected um, yes. with one another and have opportunities to learn from each other. And then we have our what I call our seasoned superintendents uh, <laughs> who have been around for, for many years and Sometimes they just need rejuvenation. They need some yes. additional information. They want to put new projects into place. So we, you know, we do book talks. We do additional webinars, and conferences and stuff to expand their knowledge and to refresh them sometimes so that they can stay in their seats and continue to be successful in their districts. You know, one of the most important things in, in schools is continuity of leadership. Um, and right now we have so many changeovers of superintendents um, and yes. this is not good for the whole school system. So how do we support um, our superintendents? How do we appreciate the difficult jobs they have um, so that they can be successful and stay in those seats for longer term so that they can develop programs um, and be successful in their implementation? Because again, the end result is making sure that we've developed a quality education for our students across the Commonwealth. I mean, I love the support that you're giving the superintendents and it's so needed because none of us got to where we were without support and without understanding and training and to see that that's happening. When you look at the support and mentorship you receive throughout your career as well, because now you get to be the mentor for so many, and I'm sure you've done it throughout your career. Um, are there any people you look fondly upon and go, okay, this person really helped me get to a new level of understanding myself so I can do a better job? You know, I think it would be wrong for me to name any one person. I've had sure. such a wonderful career path um, and met so many good leaders. Um, and honestly, sometimes not so good leaders um, along my career. And the one thing I've learned is you learn from everybody, right? You yeah. you take bits and pieces that every good leader or leader has not been as successful. You don't take those and you realize that's not something I want to do moving forward. But you learn from others. And I've learned so many different tidbits and pieces from people along the way that I can't say there's been one mentor. I've just had hundreds of them. Um, and I appreciate every one of them for what they've given me to make sure that I am the best leader I can be for 
our school leaders. You know, that makes a lot of sense. It is kind of tough to pick one person. <laughs> um, right, even when I look back, I'm like, boy, there's been since kindergarten. I remember all the people all the way up to today. Seems like looking back, but you're right along the way. And it sounds like that's what's helped you be successful. When you look at your experience with the state and then bringing that to the organization, um, how are you seeing that benefit the other superintendents who are in the, who you're working with? Yeah, you know what? Um, I I got to be honest with you. I don't even think I I realize how much my time at the state helped me to grow um, mm-hmm. until I was here at Passa and um, and but I it, it made me understand so much um, about education and thinking about it from a state system. You know, when you're you're a superintendent, you're really thinking about your community. Um, right. And all your experiences are based on what your community was like, what the needs of your students was um, and such. But when you get to the state level and you start interfacing with 500 different school districts and private schools and charter schools across the state, one of the things you realize is, you know, that Um, there's a lot of differences and needs that they have. Um, And so I learned how you work at a state level, how it's really important for you to appreciate all the differences that we do have, because Mm -hmm. when it comes to policy, when it comes to procedures or, you know, even the professional development and support you need, it's really based on the certain parameters that you're living with in your different communities across the Commonwealth. I would tell you that's something that I've learned to appreciate at the state and I bring to pass because one of the things that I'm absolutely um, committed to is that we don't meet the needs based on what my experiences were in the wonderful time I was at Lord Office, but based on the experiences of what I'm seeing from all the superintendents across the state and making sure that we're reaching out and meeting the needs that they need. Oh, that's true. You've been probably every corner, haven't you? Yeah, from the can. cities to the rural west to middle. I mean, I know I know Pennsylvania well. Live back east and have spent a lot of time in Pennsylvania, family and friends, and not not like you, but I love it. It's a great place, and it's truly diverse in every way, shape, and form. Mm-hmm. Sure, huge <laughs> urban centers to very rural areas that have high need and probably no internet. Right, like just yeah. incredible place that's had an incredible history in our country too. With you know, so many different things that way. So when you, as you crisscross the state and even now, what are some of the key initiatives that you're seeing happening or not key, I'm using key more as a descriptor, but what initiatives are you seeing happen out there that superintendents seem to be focused on or are, you know, you're supporting them along the way? Yeah, it, there's, there's a lot, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot. Why we're all feeling a little overwhelmed after <laughs> the pandemic, right? I call it COVID recovery. I think that's where we're at right now. But certainly, you know, we have a lot of um, things that we need to um, uh, overcome from the last few years. For instance, um, you know, the educator workforce shortage um, is not only affecting our schools in Pennsylvania, but nationally. Um, I'm hearing that from my partners across the, the, the country is that we're all facing you know, a shortage. Um, And so we're working with our school leaders on how do we try to overcome some of those shortages, whether it's your educational leaders, it's your educators in the classroom, it's your paraeducators, your bus drivers, your cafeteria workers, 
How are we working collectively to try to overcome some of the shortages and make sure that we're fully staffed in our schools to meet the, the many needs of our, our students? Certainly, um, the other thing I know that a lot of our schools are working on is the emotional and physical safety of our students um, mm -hmm. as they've come back. Um, we've seen increased, you know, aggression among our students. We see increased emotional concerns of our students. Um, and um, certainly, we are all appalled at some of the, the horrible, um, you know, attacks that we've seen on on, in our schools um, across the Commonwealth. So how do we develop that physical safety in our schools to ensure the safety of our kids? That's first and foremost, I can tell you of every superintendent across the Commonwealth. Um, it's safety first, right? Um, because that that is so critical. And then we have to talk about the learning, right? And there's a lot of focus on not only um, the learning that we need to do during a, during a school year, but um, any of the learning um, gaps that students may have incurred um, over the last three years, and how do we develop those extra opportunities um, for our students to capture any of those skills or information that they may have missed um, with some of the jagged um, educational opportunities that students have had over the last few years. So a lot of conversations, a lot of things going on, um, and um, just supporting them on how to do that. The other thing that I really try to support them on and is yeah. a major focus of mine is, is advocacy. Efficacy, you know, yes. Getting the positive word out about all the things that our schools are doing across the Commonwealth um, and, and anywhere. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things that are coming out of it. And I think, um, unfortunately, so much of, the, of our conversations have um, been negative over the last few years uh, because we've been tough on each other, not just in schools, but in any ways. So how do we turn back to a positive, forward-thinking um, attitude? Yes. How do we take the creative ways we learned how to educate students over the last few years, and how do we build that into our current practices? So we come out of this actually having a higher quality and more creative way of meeting the needs of our students than we did before the pandemic. Um, and, and I think we're getting there. We have schools that are really doing some cool things across um, across this great state. And um, I could be prouder of the way we're trying to step up and, and look at educating our students in a way that, that connects with them more, today's type of student, um, such as the integration of technology in our classrooms and stuff. Um, so we're doing a lot of good things. Um, I think we need to share those stories and we need to learn from one another and we need to continue on the pathway to doing so. I know, as we shared before, I'm excited to work together to do that too, to share those stories and to yeah. make those connections. And you're right, if we don't talk about it, who will, right? If we don't share the good news with each other and encourage each other, I'm such an advocate for that because we can always look at what isn't done there's always something to do. That's the nature of life. There's always something we can do, but what, what are we doing that we have the resources for to right. be able to be effective too? And, you know, when you talk about these different things, I would imagine you work with superintendents on just prioritizing, even budgeting in the, within the priorities mm -hmm. of how do I make these priorities work, bring it to my board and then get it approved to be able to implement it and then get the teachers on board. I mean, there must be a lot of that dialogue as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> That's a big process, processes and systems. I'm a big process person. So the one thing that you need to learn um, as an educational leader is that you have to 
develop those targets, those goals that you're working on, and you didn't need to narrow those. You can't work on a hundred different goals or targets in a school year and be effective at them. So, you know, how do you narrow down to what your real needs are and, and focus on those? And then once you have those, then you develop the next ones. So you develop a system and a process for improvement. It's, it's school improvement. And no matter where you are, how um, good your school is, to me, there's always room for improvement. And when you can capture that type of process and mindset um, and put that into place as you're leading the school district, that's how you get quality schools. Um, and, you know, we just need to get back to that. Our systems yeah. were disrupted um, the last few years. So getting back Very into again, regular routines and processes and systems is something that I think we're really um, you know, talking to our superintendents and our school leaders, particularly those that are new to the roles um, through our programs here at Pasadena. I mean, we should have a party. Every, we should have a giant party celebrating that we all made it through this. I mean, when I think about Love it, it. Just, <laughs> like a literally a countrywide celebration that we made Love it, it. Like, and that everyone who is affected by it, all of us were impacted. And it, when I think about as a parent, right. And you think for those that were working remotely, you had your kids at home going to school. And you're trying to juggle all that. And then you have everyone trying to make it work. And I wouldn't say misinformation, but people just not understand the impact of what's really going on because there was so much change so quickly. Yeah, It seems like that was an unprecedented thing that happened. Would you say that was unprecedented in your career? Was it just... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, work, it was working in the state when, when all this went down and yeah. um, the support and our schools just were, you know, put off kilter, but you're right. And, you know, I think that's the important thing for all of us to understand is it had an impact on all of us, right? Mm -hmm. As parents, right? You all of a sudden you have your students in your, in your house and you're trying to learn how to work from home, which many of yeah. us didn't have the opportunity to do before. And you're working from home and you've got the first grader in the background trying to learn online for the first time and you know that's a, that's a tough transition for kids so you're trying to do all so that was a lot of stress and one thing i will tell you is emotion comes from stress and new experiences from folks and so that's why i keep saying that's true about positive so everybody had a rough time and you know i think we should be applauding everybody whether it's parents communities schools businesses hospitals everyone that we made it through Instead of finding fault at things that maybe we didn't know how to do when there was no book written on how do you get through a pandemic, um, <laughs> that's true. Right? Oh um, oh. I think I think we can all learn from it and become better because of. And you know that's that's where we need to focus. Um, and we're I know we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. I I love that you have that mindset too, and to remind people because we often need to be shaken out of our heads to go, hey. Remember, and, and sometimes, I mean, what we were talking about, like you look at someone and you share with them what you see and they're like, oh, it, it, and then you see them get re-energized. And I love your organization has such a focus on that, of that kind of support, mm. you know, when, when you look at your, you know, when in your story, you know, you were a teacher for many, many years. And then you started getting into administration. Was there a particular person or drive for you that you wanted to get into that kind of role and change? Because not everyone does. 
I don't think I ever um, applied for any administrative position. <laughs> I um, I guess I, I have a little bit of that um, um, innate leadership ability because um, I've always been asked to step up. Um, sometimes, many times in front of um, maybe in my mind, ready to do so. Um, you know, my goal when I entered education in 1985 was to be an emotional support teacher and work with those students and provide them support. Um, and it's um, just leaders across the way that would come in, have a conversation with me and say, you know, I think you would be really good at this. Um, and was always invited to the next level all the way through. Um, and many times before my education um, was set forth. So many times I wasn't acting or whatever because I had to go back and get my education ready to do that. So I think it was people believing in me and my leadership that put me um, in the seats and the opportunities that was. I can't say that I ever back in my early first five, seven years said, well, I'm going to get into administration. It just happened. Um, it happened. And, you know, it's kind of funny that you talk about that because it's an important story, I think, for all of our leaders is we need to yes. look at those individuals that have the capacity and, and the passion um, and invite them to those opportunities to step in the higher level types of positions and have a greater impact on, on education. Um, there's a lot of us out there. And sometimes you just need to have somebody open that door for you. It's true. I was talking to uh, Brooke Olson Farrell from Slate Valley Unified in Vermont. And she's like, I just always wanted to be a superintendent. I was like, what? <laughs> she's the only one who said that she wanted to be a superintendent. And others have shared similar to you where they were leaders and you know it was part of just them being themselves. And others who were tapped to say, you have this potential and we're in the right place at the right time. And the others fought for it. So yeah, those stories are amazing because yeah. we do have those different pathways. And you know, I, like I said, you're with all of your experience and everything you've done. It's it's just been incredible. I mean, you were superintendent for 15 years. Just try. Yep. Just <laughs> yep. I mean, you see, you see a lot of change in 15 years. You essentially saw mm -hmm. your kids and your just grow up completely for one yeah, whole. Yeah, it was so much fun. Uh, to know that I welcomed those little kindergarten students um, their first day of school, which was still my favorite day. Oh my goodness, watching them walk through the doors was so amazing. And then um, those tearful shakes of their hands, hugs, um, when they walked across the stage of graduating, knowing that I've watched their entire career oh, yeah. was a part of that was just a great opportunity for me. I was, I was very fortunate um, to have all those years being a superintendent and watching our students grow in front of my eyes. You know, and that that's the story that we love about education is you get to see that. You see those kids. Cool. And I, I know um, one of the fun things to talk to a few other superintendents was they're like, we need to do 13 years as a bus driver and or 13 years with a bus driver. And I thought, and he was explaining to me why he thought that. And he said that because there's very few roles where someone sees someone truly grow up before yes, you. If you're on the bus, I was like, that's true. I had the same bus driver forever. Yep, that's true. And are you, is you mentioned the staffing shortages and those kinds of things. And it, it, I've heard that similar um, comment throughout many of the podcasts we've done. Are, are you, does your organization assist with 
helping superintendents connect with universities and the pipelines and the teacher training and, and those things as well? Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we're doing a lot of planning um, now for that to help to assist with that. So the Pennsylvania Department of Education um, is working on a plan. Uh, we've certainly had um, a seat on um, those meetings and we're looking at ways and systems that we can do. Because again, remember, one of the things I know for a fact is that for us to overcome some of the shortages, we really have to work at each local level to be able to make that happen, right? Yes, Whether yes. it's getting our students um, that we see in our high schools and advocating for them to get them into um, education because we see that they have the, the, the skill sets and the passion to do that to, you know, recruiting those bus drivers or those such. They have to happen at a local level. So what we're trying to do is to provide some professional development on all the different ways and systems that you as um, your local communities can help to assist to develop a process and systems um, to be able to get people into the pipeline. And then mm. certainly, how do we overcome some of the shortages in the short term until we get people into the pipeline to get, you know, perfectly certified student or teachers um, out and into our school? So we're looking at all those types of things. Sometimes it's a policy change, right? So one of the things I know that working at the state last year and working with the General Assembly and such is everybody was open to what are some things or mandates or, or procedures that we need to change to allow more folks to get into education um, to help support during the short term. So I think we need to continue to challenge ourselves as state leaders on what are some things that we need to do to make sure that, again, we get the appropriate individuals in our schools um, to, to assist our students and move them forward. I didn't even think about that, that you mentioned that the, the developing the process and systems and sometimes policy changes at the local, that it's really shifting the thinking of the local community on how to get people in yeah. and that kind of impact. That's, that's a great way to put it. And, and I think that's what it's often forgot about with policy, that that's what it's designed to do is open right. doors, not really right. prevent you. Correct. Yeah. That's what it does. Right. And then you take that and then you, how do you, how do you build that in your community for success? And then on, on another note too, obviously budget, it's always a big deal with superintendents. <laughs> Yep. It's like people and budget. That's what you get measured on when you're at the top, right? How are you managing your budget and how are you helping your people? Um, within the state of Pennsylvania and the superintendents, and what, what are you seeing from the funding? Are there any changes in the funding model? I'm just more curious because some states have gone through recent significant changes in their funding model. And I don't know if Pennsylvania is in the midst of that or that kind of change. Yeah, so... Um we're actually doing a lot of training right now across the state on understanding like the basic education formula, the special education formula and budgeting um, at, a, at a district level. So certainly funding is always a concern, uh, right? Because you have to have dollars to be able to do what you need to do for students. That's right. That's right. Let, let's face it. The, the dollar doesn't stretch like it used to. So we're all in, you know, rising costs just for food and for resources and services, uh, much less for your, your human capital, right? Just to, your staff is costing additional dollars um, to, to bring in as well with the shortages that always increases, you know, the need um, for, for increased salaries and, and benefits and such. So know that those are all the challenges that our schools are managing 
um, on their budgets. And so, you know, we were very, very fortunate um, this past year in Pennsylvania that we had a governor and a general assembly that afforded us probably our highest um, increase in funding um, that we've seen from a state oh, wow. level in years. And so we were very fortunate that way. Um, but, you know, part of the reason we have um, the ability to make those balanced budgets right now has to do with all this, the federal dollars that, mm -hmm. um, dollars that we receive to support our schools during COVID. Those dollars go away in 2024. And one of the things that I think we're most concerned about is how do we make sure that we don't come off a cliff um, at the end of that year when those federal dollars are no longer in existence? Um, and how do we back those dollars up from state and local level and manage that? Um, so there's big discussions I think that we need to have. Again, I think across the country, all of us are going to be having them at a state mm -hmm. level, federal level. But um, we're no different here in Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a huge concern. And um, we have a new governor that's coming into his seat here in January. And we're looking forward to those conversations with him and the, um, and the new um, makeup of the General Assembly. To how, do we, um, how do we ensure that our schools have the dollars to meet the needs of our students moving forward? And you've gone to the General Assembly and talked about this stuff, haven't you? You've done that. Isn't that correct? In the past, you bet I did <laughs> hearings the last few years um, from from deputy secretary role. So yes, um, had that opportunity. I mean, that alone, when you're talking to policymakers and you look at the things you're talking about, like just to to know that as a leader of the organization right now, that you have that experience. I know as a superintendent, that would bring me a lot of comfort. I'm like, okay, she, you see beyond where I'm seeing, like you said, I'm looking local and you're looking more big picture. And you you did big picture for many, many years. That's got to be so comforting to the superintendents. I hope so. I hope <laughs> so. They, 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 um, they put me in this seat um, to lead. And so I hope they trust in me and um, I'm not going to let them down. I'll let you know that. Um, and, um, you know, one of the things that um, I'm proud of and I hope that I continue to do is build a good relationship with a, a lot of folks in the general assembly, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter to me. I work on all sides. Um, because it's all about, you know, making sure they understand the decisions and the impacts it has on schools based on those things. So I want to build on those relationships um, here at PASA and continue that and hope that I become someone that they can trust um, and come to to give them, you know, the the real story on how some of the policies and decisions they want to make have an impact on our schools and our students. I love that because not everyone knows. No, I, I mean, no, you're right, they, isn't it? They have a lot in their plates, right? <laughs> you remember that. Our legislators um, have uh, individuals um, in special interest groups coming to them from all angles. And mm -hmm. so it's hard for them to understand to the depth. And so hopefully with 37 years of experience behind me, um, I can give them some good insights from a state level, from a superintendent's level, from a teacher's level about the impacts of, of the decisions they're making on our schools and our students. I love it. I mean, this has been so much fun to talk to you. It's incredible how fast the time goes oh, whenever we, whenever like we just start chatting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely won't end the conversation here. That's for sure. As far as you and I and, and what we'll do next together, too, because I definitely think we have a lot of things we can partner with. And as you know, I look um, forward to it. I appreciate you. Thank you for caring about our superintendents and leaders. That means a lot to me. 
um, they're good people and, and they need, they need advocates and they need people behind them to help support them so they can do the difficult jobs that they're doing out there. You know, it's, it's really been my pleasure and honor. I do think of it as an honor to be able to have the time to talk to these incredible men and women, including yourself. So I appreciate your time today. And uh, thank you again, Dr. Smith. You bet. You take care and stay in touch. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.